Over my career, I've been very fortunate to see the volume of knees that I have seen. Whether it's rehabbing from surgery or some overuse injury, or even just training because you're having some issues with your knees. I've been very fortunate to work with thousands and thousands of knees over my career. And when it comes to knees, I think there's some common themes, just basic understanding that is not shared enough out there. I feel these concepts are something that everyone should be exposed to. It's just basic knee function, how your body's meant to move and how to take care of your knees properly. And this is what I wanna break down today is that your knee doesn't have as much control as you would think over your knee joint function. What I mean by this is that your knee and the muscles crossing your knee, yes, it does contribute to knee function, but it cannot solely protect you from all of the knee injuries that you commonly see or hear about. Patellar tendonitis, IT band syndrome, ligamentous sprains, ACL tears. The fact of the matter is that your knee heavily relies on other parts of the kinetic chain, your ankle, your hip, your core, to make sure that your knee stays safe, but also to optimize your performance and do all of the things that your knee is meant to do. So stay tuned to this episode. Let's dive into the basics of knee anatomy, function, health, and performance. Welcome to the HNL Movement Podcast, where everything is geared to leveling up your performance in activities, sports, and life. Join me in my professional journey as I share my knowledge and experiences while also learning from professionals, colleagues, clients, and you with one goal in mind, how to optimize human performance. This is the right place to learn how a multidimensional approach will sustain the performance and lifestyle you desire. Welcome back everyone to the HNL Movement Podcast. For all of the new listeners tuning in today, you are in the right place to hear about everything that gears to optimizing human performance. And all of my returning listeners, thank you again for tuning in. Everyone out there, if you haven't heard some of the previous episodes, go check out the previous library of episodes on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. There's been a lot of great, of course, solo topics where I cover concepts related to rehab, strength and conditioning, performance training, and sports nutrition. And there's also been a ton of great guests who've come on and shared their stories, experiences throughout their career or rehab journey or any part of their active lifestyle and health and fitness journey. Also, be sure to check out my YouTube channel. You can find everything at HNL Movement. And there's been video highlight clips that I've been putting up of all of the guest interviews. So you can see short snippets of video podcast highlights, and that matches the audio that you've been listening to. Also, be sure to check out all of my free content across all of my social media platforms, starting to put out more educational content. So be sure to check that out. All of my handles are at HNL Movement, and you can check out all the content on Instagram. Trying to get TikTok going, so check that out. I don't have a lot of followers, but if you use TikTok, go ahead and follow me on TikTok. Also Twitter as well to try to share as much content and resources to all of you. And if you like the content, be sure to leave some feedback for the podcast, rate and review the podcast and on social media, interact with me as well. I would love to hear some of the value and benefits that you're gaining from the content. With all of that, let's jump into today's episode. And it's all about knee function, anatomy, movement, how to actually keep your knees healthy and make sure that it's contributing to optimizing your performance. Now, this is a super loaded topic. I could probably make just a podcast on knee function and anatomy and all the things you should do to train your knee properly. But we're gonna try to keep it really brief. I'm gonna try to keep this no longer than 15 minutes and just give you some of the basic understanding. 
Be sure to stay tuned. I will probably make more follow-up content to this as this is really my area of specialty. I by no means know everything that there is to know about the knee, but it's something that I'm always interested in finding out how to actually improve your knee function and keep it healthy and reduce any type of injury risk. So let's go over some of the basic anatomy. I'm going to keep this really brief. So your knee joint. As we can tell, right, it primarily works in that one plane, your sagittal plane, and primarily you bend and straighten your knee. So flexion and extension in that sagittal plane. But although your knee is classified as this hinge-like type joint, your knee is actually very complex because of the shape of the two bones, how they articulate with each other. And when you're moving your knee joint, when you're bending and extending, the axis of rotation is actually rotating slightly around the femur or your thigh bone. And because of that, it doesn't function like a door hinge, like how a hinge has one axis of rotation that essentially the door will rotate around. Your knee does not function like that. It's very complex. And there's all these like subtle nuances that make your knee joint be able to function like how it does. So just know that, that it does function simply like a hinge, but it's way more complex than that. And to add to that complexity, your tibia or your shin bone internally and externally rotates as you're going through some of these movements. That is very crucial to functional things like everything from walking to jumping to absorbing force to making sure that our foot can function how it should to actually either absorb or generate force from our whole leg as a lever. So that is something that I just wanna mention and introduce here is that your knee joint, it's a lot more complex than a simple hinge type of joint that just bends and straightens your knee. It goes through a large range of motion. And because of that, you can tell that our knee, it needs a lot more stability. So we have a lot of static stability from the ligaments, from the joint capsule, and we have tons of dynamic stability because of the permitting that large range of motion. Our muscles need to make sure that we can control and keep our knee stable. Primarily when we talk about the knee, you have two main joints. So you have your tibia is your shin bone, your femur is your thigh bone. You have your tibiofemoral joint, which is your true knee joint, what we're bending and straightening our knee with. Then you have your patellofemoral joint. So your patella, that's your kneecap, right, in layman's terms. And then you have your femur, which is your thigh bone again. Your patella, it's a really complex and crucial joint. One, it just helps us to slide the kneecap when it articulates with our femur when we start to bend and straighten. So it slides your patella in that trochlear groove, which is just the groove in between the medial and lateral femoral condyles. If you can't picture that, don't worry about it. Just know that the kneecap does slide within this groove-like notch in your femur. And without getting too detailed, your patella, it functions to give our quads more mechanical advantage. It lengthens that moment arm or the radius from where our quad is going around our patella to the center of rotation of our knee joint. And because of this, it helps our big quad muscles to either absorb or produce force using this kind of mechanical pulley around our patella bone. And then not truly part of the knee, you have your fibula, which is the second bone in your shin. It sits on the lateral side of your tibia, your shin bone. And that creates a tibiofibular joint. But your fibula, that non-weight bearing bone of our shin, that does not articulate with our femur. So really it's not involved too much in knee function. I won't go too much, but basically your fibula provides a lot more additional attachment sites for muscles. So it is crucial, but in the knee joint, not so much. It doesn't bear any weight. It doesn't transmit forces through our femur and our tibia. So I'm not gonna pay too much attention to it for this episode right now. One of the big things that you need to know, it's a basic concept called your quadricep angle or your Q angle. 
It's basically that because our femurs are slanted inwards, you can think slightly, we have this quadriceps angle, meaning that our quadriceps is pulling in this inward and downward direction. And then our patella, and then our patellar tendon, connecting the patella to the tibia, our shin bone, that is oriented more vertically. So you're going to have this angle where really, if you look at it from the knee up, your quads are pulling your kneecap laterally slightly, or at least that's the line of pull. And this Q angle, this is kind of making some of the brief connections as to how the knee joint is influenced by a lot of other areas in our body. The Q angle, you're basically taking that line of pull of your quads, or you can think basically that line of your rectus femoris, and then that line of your patellar tendon, and you are going to have this angle of discrepancy, meaning that your quads are trying to pull your kneecap out a little bit. This is heavily influenced by the width of your pelvis because that's how we're measuring this line of pull of your quad. So for females, it's known that females have a larger Q angle and you can already see what's going on at the hips. Even if this is anatomically, what goes on at the hips that greatly affects the function or the anatomy or the biomechanics going on at your knee. So this is just one of those brief connections that I want to mention because these types of things show how much of an influence things above your knee joint or below the knee joint actually has on your anatomy function and performance. Now the last thing I want to mention about anatomy is that you have your joint capsule and your ligaments. Typically there's four main ligaments that we talk about and you hear a lot in layman's terms about the knee joint. You have your collateral ligaments, which stabilize the medial and lateral sides of your knee. So you can think the inside and the outside of your knee. It's most commonly referred to as your medial collateral ligament or your MCL and your lateral collateral ligament or your LCL. Then in your knee joint, deep in your knee joint, you have your cruciate ligaments, your anterior cruciate ligament and your posterior cruciate ligament. And that's the one that you're typically hearing when someone tore their ACL, they tore their anterior cruciate ligament. So these are the four main ligaments that provide a lot of that stability. But beyond that mechanical restraint, a lot of this has proprioceptive function or sensory information that's being sent up back to your brain to tell your brain where your knee's in space, what types of things you need to do to control your knee. So they do have that large role as well to give sensory feedback back up to our brain. Beyond those four ligaments, there are a lot of other very small ligaments and it shows how intricately connected all of your muscles, your joint capsule and everything is in your knee. I'm not going to go over that because that is very in depth, but just know that this is the basic anatomy and makeup of your knee. So what I wanna talk about today is the muscles. So you don't have too many muscles that actually cross your knee joint. You have your quads collectively connecting into your quad tendon, going over your patella, and then connecting to your shin bone via your patellar tendon. So that's your quads in the front. Then you have your hamstrings. Your hamstrings are made up of two groups. You can think the medial hamstring and the lateral hamstring. And the hamstrings are going to control this knee internal and external rotation or tibial internal and external rotation. Coming on the more medial side, you're gonna have your sartorius, the strap muscle that's coming from your hip and around your knee joint. Along those lines, you're gonna have gracilis, it's an adductor muscle that's coming up from your hip and crossing your knee joint on that medial side as well. And then on the lateral side, we really have our iliotibial band or iliotibial tract that's crossing the knee joint, connecting to the outside of your shin bone. And then on the back side, 
Along with your hamstrings, you also have the muscles of your calf, your gastrocnemius. You can even say plantaris, that small muscle that sits with that gastroc group. So collectively, these are the muscles that cross the knee joint. I know that was a lot of information in such a short time, but what you need to know out of this is that these muscles, they pretty much create more flexion, extension, maybe some internal and external tibial rotation. They do not really create too much of that frontal plane control of your knee, meaning that your femur, your thigh bone, moving medial or laterally, and they don't really contribute or control that femoral internal and external rotation. When we see our hip rotate inwards or our thigh bone rotate inwards and you have this big valgus angle in your knee, meaning that you're not kneed, or vice versa, they can't really externally rotate your hip and your femur where you have that kind of bow-legged shape where you're pulling your knee outwards or pointing your knee outwards. So the bottom line is if the muscles crossing your knee joint aren't really equipped or they don't really have great function to control hip adduction, abduction, frontal plane movement, or hip internal and external rotation, then that is really not how we control the knee joint adequately. Really the muscles that control that movement and protect your knee from all of these excessive stress or ligamentous tears or ACL tears is coming up from your hip. Your hip is what's controlling that position of your knee joint. Remember your knee joint, those muscles primarily just flex and extend your knee. It doesn't really create any of that other motions that we see in the frontal plane or the transverse plane. So lateral motion or that rotational motion. That again needs to be controlled by the muscles at your hip crossing the hip joint. Okay, I know that was a lot. If you need to replay it, you can. I'm gonna put up more content about this with some visual aids and some animations to kind of show and demonstrate what I'm talking about. But I do wanna go over three points. So like I promised, I want to make some sense of this and expose everyone out there to why this is so important. So the first point that I wanna make is that your knee is kind of at mercy of your hip and ankle, ankle and foot function. Basically what is going on at the hip and what is going on in the ankle and the foot, that can greatly influence what's going to happen at the knee and what your knee has to do to make sure that you're trying to do whatever movement, training, exercise that you're doing. So like I mentioned before, your hip muscles control hip abduction and adduction, control hip internal rotation and external rotation, and this is very crucial for patellar tracking. It's crucial to make sure that you're not placing excessive stress on the lateral side of your thigh, your hip muscles, your IT band, causing any type of friction on the lateral side of your knee. Of course, crucial for ACL tears or MCL sprains, all of these types of things. But all of this is controlled at the hip. And if you backtrack, I've talked about it in other episodes, your hip function is reliant on your core function. And it kind of goes up and down the kinetic chain. So you need to make sure that everything is doing its part so that your knee doesn't undergo excessive stress, unwanted irritation, and all of that. Now I wanna give an example of ankle and foot function too, because that plays a key role to make sure that your knee is also moving well. So your ankle and foot function, even something as simple as walking, walking gait, 
your ankle and foot is controlling and decelerating, making sure that your foot, one, doesn't slam to the ground, but it also makes sure that your tibia doesn't move forward too fast of a rate. Because if our tibia starts to move forward or advance too fast, then that is going to cause your knee to bend more. And you can already see if that's the relationship, your knee starts to bend more, your quads are probably gonna have to do more work to actually decelerate and help your foot and ankle out. But all of this can be related to the poor foot and ankle function. So there's so many things that we can talk about with how this intricate foot and ankle function actually affects what's going on with your shin bone, the internal and external rotation there, what's going on, what types of forces are being placed at the knee joint, and is that actually the most efficient way for your knee to move, or is it something that's going to cause more harm, more detrimental effects, issues, irritation in the future? So this is something that I just wanna expose listeners to out there. And it's just this basic concept that your hip and ankle function, that is greatly gonna influence how your knee functions. Now moving on, point number two is that with most knee issues, this could be injuries, this could be definitely overuse injuries, but this also could be just with excessive tightness around your knee. If you're always feeling certain tightness, maybe like it's irritated, the knee pretty much gets irritated or angry, whatever you wanna call it, because it's trying to do more than what it's designed to do. So for example, if your knee is always tracking improperly and your kneecap might be tracking improperly, your knee joint is going either too much in in a valgus angle or something, then your knee is not meant to flex and extend and do a lot of repetitive tasks or run in that position. The knee is trying to do something that it's not really equipped or designed to do. Another example, if you have weak glutes or hip extensors and you're a jumping athlete and really instead of generating a lot of the force or the right amount of force from your hips, you don't have that strength or you don't know how to tap into that strength, you're actually over relying on your quads to generate all of that jump force, then that's going to create some irritation too because again, your quads are doing way more work than it should when you should have some of that force being produced from your hips, your hip extensors. So this is just a real simplified view. Obviously it gets way more complex than this, but if you understand that, your knee is not designed to do certain things and it's not designed to compensate for other weaknesses or other areas of your body that's dysfunctional. That is key because a lot of times if you do have any knee issues, you're going to realize, yes, I need to treat and care for and rehab whatever's locally around the knee, but you're also gonna see how does this fit into the entire kinetic chain, everything in the lower extremity, of course, but even tracking up to your core, making sure that everything's doing its part to contribute to that functional task. And that brings me into my third point, which I already briefly mentioned, but if you have any knee issues, and again, this is anything from rehabbing injuries, following surgeries, overuse injuries, but even to the extent of knee tightness. Something that's irritating your knee that is not normal. And I wanna mention here too that if you always say that, oh, my knees are always achy, that is not normal. You're again, you're probably utilizing your knee in some shape or form that's either above your threshold of tolerance or you're using your knee in a way that's not designed to be used. And that's what's causing some of the knee issues. Of course, if you have anatomical injuries and things that need to be addressed, then that's contributing to it. But I would say even with that, there's probably some movement, biomechanical things that we can address to help to alleviate some of the irritation on your knees. So the bottom line here is that, make sure that you work on the entire kinetic chain. Because again, 
your knee health is way more than just quad strength, way more than hamstring strength. It's everything from how is your hip controlling your femur? How much balance do you have actually with the muscles around your thigh? How is your foot and your ankle functioning? Are you able to create stability where you should be creating stability? And are you able to use the bigger muscles to generate force, absorb force, and do everything in an efficient manner so that you don't cause more irritation to your knee? So that is the third point. This is a much bigger issue than just the area around your knee. You need to look at how your entire lower body and your entire kinetic chain is functioning and make sure that you're making everything do its part and work together to contribute to the functional tasks that you need to do. And like I started the episode, I don't want to go too in depth because this is a very loaded topic, but hopefully those three points, it just gets you to think, what can I do to take care of my knee? And these are why some of the things that you see out there now, seeing working with the athletes, clients that I've worked with, you know, there's a lot of information out there and there's a lot of good information, but also a lot of not so good information. But what I want to share here is the people that get a lot of success with treating or strengthening your knees, they're working on the entire kinetic chain. So if you look at Squat University is a big one. He has a lot of content on knee mechanics. A lot of the things that he talks about is core and hip, foot and ankle, and of course doing things to strengthen your quads and your hamstrings. But you can see it's a much expanded view looking at the entire kinetic chain. Another one that comes to mind is the knees over toes guy. He is focusing on strengthening your knees, but he is also doing the things to make sure that your hip, your foot and ankle is functioning very well. So that's just some of the perspective as to how your knee health is so dependent on the entire lower extremity and the entire kinetic chain. I hope this helped you. I won't go on too much more. I tried to keep it to around 15 minutes. But this is something that I will post a lot more content on, making sure that we're keeping our knees healthy and safe. But also for those that have overcome knee issues, you wanna make sure that you're strengthening your entire lower extremity in balance so that you can do all of the things that you want to do. With that, I know I jammed a lot of information into this episode, but for everyone again, check back all of the previous library of episodes, check out my YouTube channel, social media for more free content out there in addition to this podcast. And other than that, keep training hard, train smart, keep doing the things to help you to improve each step of the way. I hope everyone has a great week ahead of them. It's already November. I can't believe how fast time is going, but I release podcast episodes every Tuesday. So I will be back here same time, same place next week. Until then, have a great week, everyone. Aloha.